All right, straight into it this week. Not going to do many advertising. This is the last in the series of podcasts that are recorded at the New Zealand Organic and Biodynamic Wine Growers Conference. As I kept saying, we had a lot of producers and purveyors and, well, producers in the middle. <coughs> and on the ends, we had a, a more of journalists. We had the master of wine, Emma Thompson, Emma Jenkins, to start it off. And now we have Mermaid Mary, who is uh, Mary Therese Blair. But before we get into that, I'll just say a couple things. By the time you get this podcast, be well into a trip into the U.S. I'm leaving today. I'm essentially doing one take recording this and going to post it early next week while I'll already be probably in New York at that stage. So please, if you're in America, go to decibelwines.com. Check the dates up there. Also follow uh, at Decibel Wines on Instagram. We're always posting stuff up on there uh, as well as Decibel Wines on Facebook. And of course, we have our own uh, our own Instagram here for the podcast, which is at DB Vintage Stories. So we always post the clips up there. Uh, some cool photos. You can go back and check out all the previous episodes on there, and then just go to dbpodcast.org to link. We have everything's for free. You can go up and listen to some great ones up there. Probably find any bit of your cup of tea into that. So. Uh, much like my experience with this interview, we're just going to dive right in. I knew of Mermaid Mary. She, her uh, presence sort of seemed to be, I don't know, seemingly out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I saw her on Instagram, uh, Cuisine Magazine, starting to write. She's, I think she's on the radio. She goes through all that and explains it. But as soon as I met her outside the lobby of the main hall, during the conference, we kind of went, hey, yeah, I know you, yeah, oh, yeah, who's, yeah, okay, hey, 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 yeah. do you want to go do a podcast? <laughs> and we just sort of dove right down and did it, and uh, and it was great. She's uh, clearly talented, great speaker, very passionate, and that's the kind of people we like to talk to. So let's dive in and talk to Mermaid Mary. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been the only, um, you know, downside to, or downside to this amazing room they set me up in here. It's in your own personal studio. This is quite the facility. And you down here, you see all the changing rooms. Yeah, and they, all got the gr- they got a green room. Wow. Know, fancy. Very fancy. Um, so I'm with the mermaid. Well, it's Mermaid Mary. Mermaid People Mary. call me mermaid. It's my brand is called Mermaid Mary. And does that stem from a love of mermaids or anything else? It comes from a desire of wanting, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then I realized that you had to do a lot of science to, <laughs> <laughs> to become a marine biologist and just frolicking about the dolphins. Um, and it's just a, a friend of mine nicknamed me Mermaid Mary years ago. And uh, it just kind of stuck. And then when I went into um, wanting to like do a wine thing, I wanted to keep it just because I'm a sentimental soul. No, it's good to have kind of a... And moniker, sort of nickname, and well, the thing is, though, like my decibel, whole decibel Dan speaking to you, you know decibel what I mean? Dan, yeah, yeah a little well, alliteration as well. Yeah, you know? I think the other reason is like a lot of what I do is just trying to save, save people, not save people, but like 
save the next generation from the hideous world of RTDs and at least get someone to drink a, a glass yeah. of New Zealand made wine or whatever, you know. And it's like, that's a very brand savvy sort of a generation. So that was another reason to keep it. I could be like, well, my name is Mary Blair now because I got married, but Mary Blair wine, but everyone else does that, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's cool. And uh, well, let's start in Ireland. What part of Ireland? I am from Wicklow, which is near um, near Dublin. It's about an hour inland from Dublin. I'm from the world. I'm from <laughs> the world's smallest town, the town I grew up in. I think now it has about six thousand people, but when I grew up, it was about two thousand. Yeah. So it was two thousand people um, in the middle of the mountains. Uh, not a lot of vines around, um, but my parents are both horticulturalists, so oh, cool. so I think I get a, I have a genuine understanding of how hard that is. Yeah, you know. What and do they What do they grow? They grew kind of everything. They had a general sort of a nursery plants and trees and flowers and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Um, which was really cool. But it's just that whole thing of everyone goes, it's like, wow, it must be so wonderful to, um, to have like to be because people come to the garden center in droves during the summer and when the weather's good and they're like, what a beautiful lifestyle you have. And it's you like you have a garden center. Is that my parents had a garden oh, center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they cool. grew stuff and they and they sold it to the public awesome. as well. But it was just like, yeah, we'll be here in the middle of January when it's minus four and you know the ground is rock hard and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm a very from a very small rural town in in Ireland. Are there? I'm sure there is, but do they grow? Where do they grow grapes at all? In Ireland? They don't. Ireland is is an EU producing nation yeah. it, uh, officially yeah. on the books, but you nothing's grown there. Nothing's grown there commercially. You've never I, seen a vineyard in. Ireland? No, I've I've heard there's one in Cork somewhere, which is on the west coast. Yeah, yeah. But for Ireland, it's not so much. I mean, everyone was like, "Well, with global warming, it might happen soon," because obviously England are growing. Um, the south Sparkling of England, base, yeah. growing apparently some amazing wines. Um, but it's the rain. It's just yeah. Well, I, ne- I never expected you to tell me, "Oh, there's a thriving industry." But yeah. I just thought maybe you would yeah sell no some or something. No, I have seen um people growing. Or peop- berry wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I have... They do this out in part of the America where I came from growing up. Okay. New Jersey. I can't know, imagine really that humid. tastes good. It's not good at oh, all. Okay, yeah, good. Even My spidey senses weren't wrong on that one then. Even the um, hybrids and what they do grow in that part of America is not good. Though yeah. there's, I would say in the last 10 years, 15 years, there's been some serious producers under tough challenges... Uh, so it can be done, but no, don't circa, seek out any uh, New Jersey wine or Pennsylvania, okay, Pennsylvania right. wine or Delaware wine, which is essentially where I grew up in that area. Uh, but yeah, like New York State has some good stuff. And then, uh, so did you move to the big city at some stage or? Kind of. I was one of those people who I, I never like, I when I was, I worked in Dublin, it was about an hour and a half away, so I used to commute, but I worked in Dublin and then I moved to London and then I came back again and then I moved to Australia and then I came back again and I just always felt like I was seeking the out, you Mm. know what I mean? And then I came to New Zealand when I was about 29 and I like I was like that this is it. This is everything I've been looking for is here in New Zealand, you know, Um, it was quite remarkable. It's even now when I go home to Ireland, I miss New Zealand, Mm, you know, yeah, it's amazing. It's just. I came here and I spent my first five years in Christchurch and then I left after that because I lived during the earthquakes and all of that and after that I got quite sick um, as a result of just the stress of the situation Um, and then I moved to Auckland by way of the Cadrona Valley 
where I... Cadrona Valley. Cadrona Valley, yeah, in Central Otago, um, which is where I had kind of my Pinot epiphany. Oh. Yeah, so I took three months off and I... So you weren't really doing wine any wine? No, stuff? I wasn't, not you at all. I actually, my job was in not-for-profit. Yeah. I used to work in charity, different sort of charities. But you were a writer as well? Or? I, I used to write a lot as a kid, but yeah. I never really did anything with it. You yeah. know, it was kind of like I used to write stories and, and books and used to love creative writing. Like English and history were my favorite subjects in, in, in high school and stuff like that. And um, and then, uh, yeah, I never really wrote. Like I used to be... a voracious journal keeper as well and stuff like that just always loved to write um but then yeah i had this um this what i call my pinot epiphany um which was with the 2000 i think it was 2008 wild earth pinot noir um i think good vintage uh, yeah amazing and i was just you know i was just like this is what wine tastes like you know and it it was that kind of, you know, people describe aha moments, you yeah. know, and that was my wine aha moment. So there, there's a big gap in there somewhere that I'm, uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me, but how do you go from not really doing anything about wine, not really having a wine background, to <laughs> now you're on the radio and what, television as well? Yeah. And some I television appearances and you're kind yeah, of Yeah, I have, wine. I have. And I, I, I write as well for a couple of publications, or yeah. for cuisine and NZ House and Garden. Yeah, there is there is a bit of a gap there. I'm not. It's like it's funny because it's a big jump. Somewhere it's a, in yeah, there. I know. Somewhere I don't know. It can't just be the accent, you know. No, right? yeah. The accent does help, I'm though. Sure it does. It, I'm does. Sure it does. So how it all came about was I had my my Pinot Epiphany, and that was around oh, maybe. Um, I mean, I've always loved wine. I've always loved drinking wine, um, and I, when I had my Pinot Epiphany, that was probably seven or eight years ago. And then I kept talking about, you know, I want to do something with wine. I'd love to do something with wine. I'd love to write and, you know, and I'd love to be a wine writer, whatever that is. And yeah. um, and then um, a couple of years ago, I um, a few years ago, I went for this job when it was like working with wine and stuff like that. And the feedback that I got as a result of not getting the job was that I didn't have the knowledge or I didn't have the exposure. Mm. So this is where WSET starts coming in? So <laughs> there is nothing that lights a fire under my ass quicker than someone telling me I can't do something. Yeah, yeah, sure. So then um, I, so straight away I was like, right, well, I'm going to go and get me some, yeah. you know. And I, so I did WSET 1, 2, and 3 pretty much back to back in the same year. Um, which almost killed me, um, <laughs> but it just goes to show the bloody-mindedness that um, is me. And when I was coming to the end of um, three, I think I just finished it, but hadn't got my results yet. Um, someone um, I knew who worked at Radio Live at the time said to me, hey, there's this new show that we're, they're doing on Radio Live, and it's kind of, it's more lifestyle because it's a talk station, you know, so... Yeah. Um, it's more lifestyle-y and the, the person who's hosting it is called Wendell Nissen and she's got a background in publishing and um, she's looking for like a wine contributor, someone to come in and talk about wine. Um, and with one thing I've always been able to do is talk. So, I get that. Uh, yeah, 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 shocker. <laughs> talk and have opinions. Um, but uh, so that they were like, would you be interested? And I'm like, absolutely. 
So they were like, cool, all we need from you is a bio and we need this and we need that. And I was like, no problem. I'll get that to you straight away. Just run home. And I'm <laughs> just going to go write it. I didn't yeah. tell them that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I went and I wrote my bio, which anyone who's ever written their own bio is the cringiest thing you'll ever do. You know, you're tough, writing about yeah. yourself in the third person, you're like, oh. Mm. Um, but I sent it through and I got this email from Wendell going, hi, would you like to be a guest on my show on Friday? And um, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And one of the people I've been talking to, one of the producers was like, I don't know if this is a regular thing. I don't know if um, if she's going to use, because she was using, she was kind of rotating people, you know, getting different experts in to talk about different things every week sort of thing. Um, and so this was like a Tuesday and I was like, no problem. Here's the format I think we should do. <laughs> like I had a clue. I said, why don't we do a little bit of information about Sarah and I'll recommend three each in a different price point, you know, kind of entry, a little bit of a splurge and I can treat yourself sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, so. sounds great. Perfect. So then I was just like, oh my God, I've got to get some, <laughs> some wine from somewhere. Yeah. So um, run around like a headless chicken, got three what I thought were really nice Syrahs, um, and talked about them on the radio. It was about 10 minutes. And at the end of it, and I was like, so what are we going to talk about next? It's live on the air. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week? And I'm like, <laughs> I, in my head, I was going, didn't I was going to be next week? I yeah. said, what would you like to talk about? And she said, Chardonnay. I, I said, was just going to say Chardonnay. Yeah. And she, I, she was like, I love Chardonnay. And I was like, you're my kind of woman. Let's do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny because the presenters have changed, but I've done that um, this month actually will be, I've done it every single week for the last two years. And that includes when I was in France or in Ireland or overseas. Yeah, because you were saying you're going to have to call in tomor tomorrow? Or yeah, today, um, yeah, Saturday, yeah. Saturday, yeah. So, yeah, I, I try to avoid phoners because I prefer, I think the quality is better, you sure. know, in the interaction. But where it's when, when I'm in, I was in Italy, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning or something to kind of talk about Italian wines. And yeah. so, I mean, I kind of, someone once said to me, you should always leverage your elephant. Um, so <laughs> at the time that wasn't, just my elephant it was all I had really yeah, you yeah. know what I mean it was like um so I took that and kind of anyone woe betide anyone who published a magazine or had anything to do in media that sat beside me at any sort of an event or social <laughs> sort of a situation which is how we met because we yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> event and I was like oh yeah I know, I know you. Yeah. um because I would be like are you looking for a wine writer yeah. um so to date I you know I've done I've done some stuff on the AM show on TV3 on the panel um, as well as some wine stuff. I um, I did a brief couple of ones writing for, you know, um, NZ Women's Weekly, which is a kind of a fun little column thing. And then last week, uh, or last year, I started writing for Cuisine magazine, which is a really big deal for me. Cuisine. Cuisine's like, I would have to say, uh, just because we recently got some accolades from them and we can see it, uh, and we have one coming up, um, that... It's one of the, if not the only print magazine in New Zealand that has like sway, serious sway. Like yeah. Because not, it's, it's a great magazine. It's even though the wine section is actually smaller than it was when I first moved here, it still is important. It's important to consumers, to the supermarkets. Yep. And it's got staying power. Like you'll see Cuisine magazine on tables in barbershop or, you know, salons yeah. and supermarkets and in just cafes yeah and they hang around for a long time so there it's, yeah it's i don't really i mean do you know of another one that is i i i think it's the best at what it does yeah. for sure i mean there's also dish as well but yeah dish for, is, okay yeah, for me right. cuisine is like 
you know, and Kelly and Vanessa, you know, took it away from, it's no longer owned by the big boys. It's mm. owned by, you know, it's independently owned again. Um, and I, when they, I, I knew Vanessa from another life, you know, and when they took that out of that, I was like, that is the ballsiest, gutsiest move. Like, who's buying a magazine back these days? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I want to be part of that. Like, yeah. that's, that's who I want to be involved with. You know, it's like two women in publishing and cuisine I think has just gotten better and better as it's become independent mm. um so I I kept um, and I have a great relationship with Vanessa who's the kind of she's the she would have been the sales sales would be her background so she's the salesperson and you know Kelly's the editor um and I'd always meet you know she's one of those people you meet at events and she'd be like oh of course you'll be here and I'd be like say the same for you let's yeah. have a wine you know um, so I met her at something and I was like, I'm doing this, this wine thing, you know, would there be any opportunities at cuisine? You know, and I'm just thinking, what am I like, what am I doing? I'm at, there's no way, you know, I'm so new and I'm so fresh. I, like, there's no way they're going to go for it, but I have to ask, you know? Yeah. Um, and she's like, send me an email, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I happened to be at the cuisine awards cause I was doing some writing for concrete playground at the time, which is that what's going on in the city sort yeah. of publication. So he, I was asked to cover the Cuisine Awards and I happened to be at the Cuisine Awards and um, someone introduced me to Kelly and she was like, I'm really looking forward to our meeting next week, you know, catching up with you. And she's like, we really need fresh faces at Cuisine. We really, and I was just like, don't breathe, <laughs> you know? I was just like, um, and I met them the following week and Kelly said to me, she's like, look, you know, the, the, the tasting panel, that's set, but um, how would you feel about writing features? And it's been the greatest gift to be able to write features because through it I have discovered I am a storyteller mm. at my heart at heart it's what I love and um I've, I'm given a topic and within I'm given a theme and within I can go whichever way I want with that you know um, and I'll, I'll pitch it you know I'll give a theme I'll pitch back this is what I was thinking and then I'll either say yes or no and it's just given me the opportunity to tell some, tell some stories about some really amazing people doing incredible things you know in in wine and the things that I've been given to to write about you know it's like I, I was asked to write the tribute piece to the late Karen Bish Tony's wife that was heavy for Hawks Bay yeah. yeah and I you know I was so honored when I was asked because I adore Tony and I was so heartbroken you know at this at this tragic loss and then as soon as I I it sunk in I was like oh my God, I actually have to write this now. Mm. And of all the things you can't mess up, you can't mess this up, you know? I heard that, yeah. And um, so I, I, when I, I, even, I cried when I submitted it because I was just like, I was just, I was, I just, it was so, such a, a power, I felt such a weight on myself to, to get it right. As it turns out, um, Tony, Tony really loved it. It's a bit, it was really well received, but like that's such an honor to be able to write that's great, about yeah. those sort of things and just, have people read you and it, it never gets old. You know, I do digital, I do radio, I do TV. The, it never gets old flicking through a magazine, seeing your words and your byline. It's, That'd be awesome. It's just the ultimate. Printed, you know, you're, in, you're published. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like forever. So it, uh, I don't know how many young listeners are out there, but it just seems like the bottom line is, you know, with or at least your career, let's start with that gap I was talking about I was like what happened is 
do stuff, you know, <laughs> keep showing yeah, up. Totally. Keep, you know, you know, and that's that's what I'm getting from your story is well, the uh, hustle is real. Yeah, yeah. Just keep going and, and get out there and meet people and uh and then maybe you get lucky and do something you love. Um so I managed to squeeze in I think six or seven of these podcasts while I was here. Some of them shorter and longer. Um but I did start with a wine writer and uh, educator with uh, Emma Jenkins. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. And I'm sort of uh, ending with a, a journalist with all these technical geeks in the middle and <laughs> winemakers and growers. And, and uh, you know, I, um, uh, so it's kind of an interesting way to kind of round it up. And are you, first of all, are you covering this? event or are you just here for to be you said you were invited but were you, are you here i was invited i think I'm, I'm i'm not covering this in a in a technical way i can and i think i probably will pitch it to some people now that it's happened yeah. you know but um when i guess one of the things that i i guess i've become really well known for is taking something really complicated which is wine making and wine mm. um, and putting it through a filter in order to communicate it to people in a way that is accessible without dumbing it down too much. And that's really important to me, you know, it's like, and I think that's kind of why I'm here. It's to kind of to, to take that message or the several messages. There's that some great messages. There's yeah. some insanely good, some terrifying messages. Yeah, there's some bad rough ones too. You yeah. know, so it's some, but amazing to take some of that back and through the things that I do and, and the ways that I communicate in order to get back to people, what is important about organics in wine, what is important about organics full stop, you know? Um, and I'm very, I guess I'm very lucky. You know, like I said, um, I'm a newbie. I'm still learning about wine. I love, and that's the thing is, I think I'll be doing this for 50 years and I'll still be learning about wine. That's one of the things well, that I, I love about wine. Yeah, it's just because it's so people driven and, and, you know, and obviously land driven that the story is always involving and it can involve, you know, politics and agriculture and geography and yeah. economies and, you know, so you, it's just endless what you're, let alone just the final product. You yeah, know? absolutely. It, so. it, it is endless. And for me, it's about getting that, ba My Mermaid Mary is about getting that balance right. It's about making wine more accessible to people because I do think we have, the industry does tend to alienate people. Mm. You know, I've never been to a wine tasting, a public wine tasting where someone hasn't put up their hand and went, this is probably a stupid question, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, they're literally disclaimering because they're like, oh, I'm already saying I don't know anything, so you can't make me feel like I don't know anything, you know? And so my thing is, like, we need to stop that, first of all. Yeah, I try, you know, I, when I do tastings, I try to, like, almost start off by saying, and I don't know if this is bad or good, but I always try to address that and say, like, this is, a t there's not a dumb question. This is the I time to ask the question, the dumb question. 100%. Because, like... This is just—it's not so precious. Like I'm just a dude, yeah. you know. I'm, I happen to be here tonight, and that's it. Totally. And uh, but you still get it. It's still intimidating, and people are, "Oh, this is fancy." I'm like, "Trust me, I'm not fancy." Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> totally. And people do, and then they're just like, and also like you see how you know, you know, I would give people wine and. You know, I would serve when find to friends and stuff like that, and they'd be like, "And you know, how much is this worth?" Yeah. You know, and I'm like, "Oh, that's probably forty dollars." And I was like, "Ooh," yeah, you yeah. know, and it's like you've got the fancy wine. It's like, you know, and just trying to get away from that. You know, I just want more people to be drinking wine and appreciating wine, but not feeling, you know, just to take the elitism. Um, and the snobbery out of it. But on the other side of it, you know, I take wine seriously because, but you shouldn't no one should take it really seriously you know it's like it's social we should talk about it socially mm. but at the, on the other side i have a deep 
you know, respect for winemakers and for viticulturists and for, you know, it shouldn't work. Wine shouldn't happen. I don't know it's how the terrible happens. soil, <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, it's terrible soil. Like it's magic in a glass and it, it shouldn't happen. But for some reason, it works. Um, and I think as well, you know, my background of growing up in, in a horticulture family in an agricultural environment has definitely given me a respect for the fact that it's it's not easy. You know, it's, there's no, it's not quick. It's not easy. And um, that's why I never do points ratings. Um, yeah. I don't like them because I think that like, it's not like you can go, oh, well, I'll just go back and get some more and try harder. You know, that's it for the year. You're done. And the other thing I don't like about well, that I don't like about points ratings is I find once somebody big comes in with a points rating, everyone else's rating is within a point or two. Yeah. It's been, you've been branded and that's what you are now and that's what you are till next year. Mm. And that's either really good or really bad, mm. you know, and our palettes are all so different and what you like and what your preference is, you just be like, mm, no, I, you know, there's a difference between what you like and what's actually bad. Don't get me wrong, some terrible wine out there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, what well, just because you didn't like it doesn't mean it's a bad wine sort of thing. So I tend to stay it's away from that. It's definitely, you know, coming from the winery, you know, the winery or production side, it's definitely getting more complex and uh, it's sort of interesting waters to wade through to say what's actually working out there. Because, like, I don't know, it's a little pretty good wine when John Saker just wrote like two nice things about my wine in a, in a regular publication right. rather than you know a Parker score yeah like absolutely. I sold more wine in that mm. by people going oh that's a nice little story I want to try that wine and it was no rating or anything it just said this is just nice and it kind of tastes like this and here's a little story as opposed to like an editor's choice and wine enthusiast I don't think I sold any wine but from that. that's more important for mm. me I always try and you know when I'm talking about wine on radio in particular, I'm talking about a particular winery, you know, I'll, I'll say why it's called this or why it's called that or where it comes from, you know. People remember, like, people always, people remember more that I've told people that Anna Flaherty has two sets of twins than they remember the taste, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's just like, wow, she's super mom sort yeah, of thing, you yeah. know, and it's like... She is. I just she, talked to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she is pretty... Yeah, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, you know, but, you know, people remember the personal story and that's why, that's why I enjoy features so much is because I'm like, when I write a feature about out of 800 words about 100 will be this wine is this this wine is that mm. this wine is the other everything else is every accumulation of what got that person to that point with that wine you know i mean i want my two loves collided recently because the last piece i wrote for cuisine was about um charity uh, wines that give money back to charity you know and this was like oh i thought it was going to be uh you know, wine that you drink underwater as a marine <laughs> biologist. <laughs> uh, aqua wine. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for someone to make a mermaid wine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fielding calls about that. though. Um, no, but, um, you know, and that was just an absolute joy. You know, I talked about 27 Seconds, who um, in North Canterbury and all of their money goes to helping end, well, help survivors of slavery. And then there's also Soho, have a pink sheep 
um, collection, which goes to different charities as well. Mm. So like that's the that's the fascinating bit for me. It's not hints of pear and quince and you know yeah. like I mean yeah I, I can I can geek out all day long and I love a bit of that in a room full of people who know what the heck I'm talking about. But for yeah, me, that the if I think I pour like an uh, not, sorry to interrupt, but I just no, wanted fine. to make a point um, about uh, like Atarangi, for instance, they. You know, amazing wines, world-class pioneers and Martinborough and all that. But probably the coolest thing about them is that Clive does all that reforestation. And he's, right. uh, you know, and he does all that work along with, you know, and, and he's pioneered all that. Yeah. And he's got, but, oh, yeah, he's got awesome wine, too. Yeah, owns, yeah, you know? yeah. And while he's at it, he's just making a ridiculously good wine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. not even average wine, yeah. just exceptionally good wine. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and that's the joy. And those stories are everywhere and you know i always because i do a lot of social media and stuff like that uh, i'm very very quick to tell people that i am not a wine influencer i never want to be tired with that brush because i I do not like it at all you know or Um, just an influencer just an influencer (laughs) i don't wear enough makeup to be an influencer (laughs) but um because i do a lot of social media and that's a good platform for me um to uh, that i know how to utilize it um people are always asking me for you know advice on stuff like that and social media and i'm like Find your unique story, you know, like tell your story. Yeah, I don't think it's like what uh, was it jo- Joanna said? Yeah, uh, Joe Glover, yeah. Uh, which uh, there was nothing revolutionary what she said. It was a couple cool points and examples, but um, honesty. You yeah, know, trans- authenticity. Yourself, authenticity, just fairly keep it fairly regular. I mean, that's the same with this podcast. It's like, yeah, if I do it. If I release one every few so often, it doesn't really work. But then if I come out and I release one every week yep. for eight weeks, like the listenership just goes. Consistency. And then, and then we know that was a huge difference two years ago for this that we noticed. Right. Was, and I had to come to terms with the fact that uh, there's a whole chunk of the year where I'm going to be working harvest that not only yep. can I, I don't have the time, but there's not going to be any winemakers or viticulturists that are going to want to talk to me. So, But that translates to you know social media as well that you know you just yeah. kind of have to keep keep consistent and do some fun stuff with it absolutely and like and be you like you know people are always like oh we're not we're not you know sex and rock and roll like framingham or we're not there and it's like you don't have to be because yeah. they are you yeah. know find out who you are and find out what your voice is well, it was interesting what jonathan just said right before he goes you know for he said uh he's talking about social media and he goes we're glad that we have uh joe to help us now for those of us that have to get our 15-year-old to help us. When I, and immediately went into my head was like, I would love to see posts from Jonathan Hamlet. He's like brilliant viticulturist. And if it was, like there's enough l- loud stuff out there. He's, he, he's so practical and dry, and dry in a certain right. way. And has so much knowledge. It'd be great if we just got like a nugget <laughs> or two a week from him, you know? And like, he probably doesn't think that would be cool, but that would be awesome, you know? And if it was just like, oh, this week, you know, we just put in these new posts that work a certain way. And right. Then, you know, I'd be like, yeah, this is great, you know. Be checking it out, you know. Well, but social media is a great way. Like, it's it's called social for a reason, you mm. know. It's a social network for, uh, for a reason. Social media is a great way. I ask people all the time, like, what do you want to know about? Mm. And the things people come back with are, are really simple things, you know. Like, what's the difference between Shiraz and Syrah, you know. Like, it's not, you know, Petriatus and, mm. you know, like people, the average consumer just wants to know, oh, you know, we were having an argument last week about, or we were having a conversation last week about Syrah and Shiraz are the same thing. But, you know, it's like, so it's a great way to ask people what they want to know. You know, if they want to know, 
they'll tell you if you've got an engaged yeah, audience yeah, they'll yeah. definitely tell you and i have a you know i have a bit of fun with that as well you know and like before i was coming here i was like asking people ask what do you want to know and i'm going to this amazing i'm literally going to the center of organics in the universe mm. and um i'll find out for you the questions you want to know and the things people want to know are again pretty simple a, a lot of a lot of it is around artificial additives and things like that yeah. it's a really key question i, I uh find that part of it pretty i mean i guess big I, i've worked for even but the big winery that i worked for in the past was villa yeah they didn't they're real simple and straightforward their winemaking so they kind of get it right in the vineyard i don't there isn't a lot of i don't know who's doing all these additives and stuff and doing these crazy i guess there's some certain fining products and right things and you know there's i definitely know some wineries doing some um, reverse osmosis and some stuff that I don't really feel comfortable about. I don't right. think it's, I actually don't even think it's necessary. Yeah. But, um, well, there's the whole sulfites thing. That yeah, if I have to have that argument one more time with people, yeah, it's just tell them there's more sulfur in a can of tuna fish than yeah. there is in a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. Dried so. apricots, yeah, I mean, dried yeah. fruit, like, yeah. Yeah. But so um, it's, it's probably the alcohol they're allergic to. I know. I always <laughs> tell that people, I'm like, you have a bottle of anything, yeah. and you're, you know, you're gonna have How enough much of anything. Did you drink? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? Also, maybe you eat something, <laughs> and, and also eat a nice, healthy, organic meal with it as yeah. well. And you'd be surprised how good you feel. I mean, we put down a few wines last night at the big gala dinner. Yeah. I did have to pay for it in the swimming pool this morning, but I feel. <laughs> I feel pretty good today you know yeah. because we ate nice food and yeah it was, beautiful food what was that like a three-hour meal basically yeah. and and we took our time it was very i mean talk about a really good buzz in the room it was the most chilled out vibe yeah. ever like, i mean they had a didgeridoo yeah. i was just like <laughs> gonna go to blenheim to find a didgeridoo i love it um it was fantastic and like i say good food made by clearly passionate people they came out to talk to us you know at the yeah. end and um, and then, you know, winemakers drinking the, it's like I said last night, this is like the world's greatest BYO, you know, yeah. it's like everyone's going around talking to everyone else about their wine and yeah, like good food, good wine, just shared in a beautiful environment. And, um, yeah, it was pretty outstanding. It's been, this whole conference has just been a, quite the learning experience for me. Yeah. Well, you know, put you on the spot, uh, then and say, you know, we're fresh off the last closing statements and come down yep. to do this podcast is you know what are your impressions and what you know what do you think our challenges are and uh you know you're I, I'm, I'm coming out of it like oh man energized i'm gonna do this stuff i want to do some stuff in my garden that i didn't think about doing because of all these conversations yep. but as far as somebody who has to kind of go back to the people and say like what did i just see you know what, what are your impressions you know there's a couple oh, firstly i mean uh, we're kind of semi-organic sort of thing so i think there's a need to kind of step that up a little bit more um uh, you know for my own personal life but i i guess the thing i was really terrified at moments with what i was learning mm. and i guess my i f i feel like my responsibility someone with who's in the media and someone who has you know half of my friends are journalists i was like let's take this conversation out of the lifestyle section and let's put it into hard news because mm. they actually think it belongs there. You know, when we're talking about, you know, probable cancer causing chemicals that are banned in other countries being used on our food. You know, I'm just like, sorry, but that's not a fluff piece. That's yeah, something no. that's something that we really need to hit really hard. And um, I would love um, 
you know, Robin is always, Robin was absolutely inspirational from that point of view. I'm hoping whenever she comes back again, I can try and link her up with some more, some, some great, you know, um, media outlets that we can get her some more coverage on that. Absolutely. I was um, hoping to get her on this, but we'll, we'll see someday. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, and then the, uh, she, she is absolutely amazing. And then the other thing that it's, I mean, it, it's kind of, you kind of know it, but that, that biodiversity piece has really come home to me. Mm. Um, and just that, you know, what we've done, like, what have we done? What have we done? And some of it we can't fix. So what can we fix? And that piece around, you know, you know, I mean, Rudd, the bug man, what an entertaining awesome. and absolutely I awesome. I with him. I didn't know anything about that uh, whole piece on Hawks Bay. I was talking to Jonathan afterwards. What an amazing and he was initiative. Like, he was like, I don't, he, we both live in Hawks Bay. And I was like, I didn't know about it. He's like, no, nah, I didn't know, you know either. So I'm going to try to track him down. Yeah. Because and I got a daughter and wife who's in education and stuff. So, totally. You yeah. know, and, and that, you know, these like these things should be, you know, the norm. And just his pieces about, like, just this quotes just kind of yeah. scrambling around in my head. But he was like, you know, we all need 20 minutes of nature a day. But if you're really, really busy, then you need an hour, yeah. you know, and, and stuff like that. It's like we've just kind of. So for people listening, we're talking about the bug man, but his name is Rude. Uh, Rude the bug man Kleinsman. Kleinpist. Kleinpist or something Some like that. Some of that, yeah. I wrote it down. Anyway, the bug man. Highly uh, entertaining. And I'll try to, uh, uh, over the course of these podcasts coming out, I'm going to try to put as many links as I can, uh, to these amazing people that we just heard speak. But going back to what you said about taking some of this to print, do you foresee, I mean, I don't know, you work with a few different publications, uh, pushback from, say, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. Uh, because in my heart, I actually do believe that nature will, if we give it what it needs, and it, it, it could rebound even right. better than we could possibly imagine, and uh, and, uh, and I th- I think it could snowball in the other direction. But obviously, there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people to convince. But yeah, a lot of attitudes to change. Yeah, yeah, I run into it every day. Trust me. And um, but would you get you, you know? I'm just wondering if some of these publications who, you know, get advertising from X Y Z winery that's gigantic, right. if they're willing to say uh, the truth about glyphosate. You know, it's really the bottom line. You know, that's the big one. Yeah, it is the big one. Like, it's the big, bad, scary wolf, really. Um, yeah, well, that is the thing. I don't know yet because I haven't asked, you know. Um, I just want, like, I really want the consumer to just start asking that question. Absolutely. Is there gly- was there glyphosate made in the, in the use of, the, or ma- you know, used but in people, the making of this wine? I feel like people ask it, at least ask that question a little bit of their food, but mm. not at all of their wine. Yep. You know, and this idea that because it's alcohol, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, look, I, I would love to, I'll certainly pitch, you know, when I actually, I before I even came here, because it's something I've always been passionate about, my next piece in NZ House and Garden is a small piece about organics, you know? Um, and it's, you know, it's hard because that piece is 300 words. How do you get, you know? And Everything that you Yeah, should. and 100 of that is my... my well, it's like our little section of the supermarket that they said is, is expanding. Well, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, you, absolutely. So it's... So I, I definitely want to spread the word, but... For me, like you know, it's it's a hard one because like you don't want to, you don't want to piss off people. Well, I also don't think you want to like. I think it can be talking down too, and it can be. So it's kind of your job. I, uh, you know, I can try to do it on a personal or business level, t- and just try to be. And I don't know. I mean, 
when I first met James Milton, I thought he was going to be some wizard, and it turns out he's just like inspirational. He, he like, is a wizard he in the best wizard, possible way. <laughs> but like, he's so great one on one, and like, right. there's nothing intimidating about him. He's just right. such a nice man, you know. Yeah. And as he f- and anyway, it's a lot tougher to come across in a in a piece that you write, or even in other kinds of media, maybe a short piece on mm. television or something, to not be perceived as talking down to people and just be like, just... Here's the facts. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of how it needs to be laid out. It's like, here's the information, you do what you want with that. Mm. But the problem with the information is, is the information's pretty scary. You know, like, you know, it's pretty actually terrifying. Um, But if you're communicating the facts, then, you know... You can't, you can't deny the facts. Well, you could put a positive light on it, too, and say, well, look, you know, without, if you didn't want to n- mention any specific producers, just to kind of just say, I'm just not trying to be biased about this, but there are people fighting the good fight out there. Yeah, and totally. And they actually need your support for that to, to happen, to expand to more. And yeah. the big guys will come around, you know. I, I, I firmly believe the big guys will come around because as we saw from the many presentations, particularly in that first day, you know, the world is seeking organics. Mm. And I believe New Zealand, we have an opportunity. We're, we're small, you know, by global standards. I think we have an opportunity to show the world what we can do. We're already showing them what we can do with wine, but I think that we can show them what we can do with organic wine. I think there's a massive opportunity for New Zealand on a world scale. And the figures say that people want organics. This this next, this new generation, um, not the one after millennials, um, what are they called? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I forget. But, but, I, I know I was told recently. But millennials, millennials are the very first generation. This is statistically. Um, we, we all love statistics. But the millennials are the very first generation to pay more for something based on sustainability, traceability, um, transparency. How many mm. times have we heard that word in the last couple of days? Yep. It's the first generation to ever want to do that it is that people blag the millennial all the time it is the most information um rich generation of people ever you know they literally have the world at their fingertips around information that can be good and bad as well yeah um there's definitely you know but so there's the, the demand is only going to increase more and more and more and i agree with you you know the way to say it is here's the facts and they're scary but, yeah, yeah. you know, um, because, you know, organics are more expensive um, and, you know, but if there's more demand, maybe the price, you know, the price will come down. But it it's a di- and I totally, you know, but it is difficult. There's people who are struggling to feed their family as it is in yeah. this country and in other countries. So, you know, how do you go to those people and be like, we'll spend double the price of your carrots to get organic? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, but that can be misleading. I swear, I go to Cornucopia and Hastings, and uh, and you know, and, and it's, I, I buy vegetables there, and it's cheaper than it is in the supermarket. And right, it tastes better. Yeah, and also there, we don't waste anything. You know? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, okay, you can get a bag of carrots or whatever. So much, che- maybe cheaper. I don't know. On some days or whatever, they're running the special at the supermarket. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but. 
do you actually need that? You know, and 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 uh, you're buying in bulk. I think the interesting thing that uh, I don't know how what your knowledge is on that. That uh, one of the things Robin was talking about was Costco coming in. So that's like yeah, that's a huge. giant club. That, you know, you think like oh my god, this this massive American. Uh, you know, warehouse store basically where you just come in with uh, your giant shopping cart and put tubs of right. you know, mayonnaise into your thing or anything. But, and and it, of course it is a little bit like that or a lot like that, but the organic side of it is insane. Like yeah, they've that's just right. invested the last, you know, 10 years. I, I worked for a winery in, uh, in California that, that serviced them for that Kirkland range. And it's like massive power. You know, well, all, all organic, that, you know. But that, and that buying power has the ability to ch- to shift the dial massively, yeah, you know. S- you'll see Pack and Save get in line real quick. Right, yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. But that's, well, that's, you know, the whole quarterly report thing. The bottom line is always money. I totally, I totally agree with you on the, you know, I go to the, we, we live right beside a farmer's market in Auckland, so it's perfect. So, and I kind of go around and you can, you can tell what's in season because it's what's there and what's, you know, like mm. it's actually not that expensive, but we don't have a mentality of that anymore. Like I grew up in a small, like I was going full circle. I grew up in a small town where we went, like, I remember when the supermarket opened, you know, we had a butcher and we had a sweet shop mm. and, you know, and stuff like that. So, and we had a garden center, so we grew stuff, you know. But um, but now you you want food, you go to the supermarket. Food comes in plastic wrapping, you mm. know. And you know, that's why I was so inspired by Rudd with his whole, you know, the, another quote, you know, children aren't going to invest you know, in nature, because they, they don't know anything about it. I'm paraphrasing now, but you know what I mean, in the future. So, you know, I constantly remember being dirty when I was a kid, yeah. you know, um, but kids don't really get dirty anymore, you know. Well, they do in Hawke's Bay. Oh, do they? My kid does, that's for oh, that's sure. that's good. You know, and she it's comes. good. Well, it's great. Uh, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have thought this as a reality, but some days I pick her up from daycare and she's, you know, her fingernails are all dirty and, you know, she's got muddy boots and all. And I'm like, yes. Totally. Great. You know, because I grew up just playing in the woods and like yeah. endless hours. My mom would pick us up, kind of brush the dirt off, yeah. the mud off, and then send you on your way, you know. I, I've, you know, going back to what you said about you want to go back to New Zealand. I love going back to the States and seeing my family. It's so much fun. There's great entrepreneurship going on mm. there. And there are some cool things happening, but... Man, am I happy when I get back off the plane in Hawke's Bay and get yeah. back to this, you know, this rural living and everything. And it's, I don't know, I think that could be part of it is people come back out of the city to, you know, because they realize, how the hell are we doing this? And we could be living out, you know, with some elbow room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and living a better lifestyle. And, you know, it used to be you were just out of touch before. So, yep. You know, nowadays you're not. I no. talk to my family in Philadelphia anytime I want. Right, of I mean? course. So um, hopefully that changes and brings talent back out into the land as well. I mean, I think we got a lot of talent in New Zealand. Yeah. We saw it in the last few days, but um, I don't know. It could be tough. We'll see. I don't know. A little. It's like it's funny because it's like New Zealand. There's nobody here. You know, it's like is it about a million people in the South Island? It's pretty. Yeah. You know, I'm like desolate, yeah. I wish people. Um, like I said, I spent my first five years living in Christchurch, and I absolutely adore the South. Every time I come back here, it feels like 
it's my home away from home sort of thing. It's a bit colder down here, though. It is a bit colder, <laughs> but it's like, look at today. It was bluebird, no, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous day. You know, you kind of yeah. wrap up and don't inhale too deeply or your lungs will crack. Right. But um, it's it's just gorgeous. This, this place is absolutely paradise. And I'm, I love New Zealand. Every, like, um, I, obviously, I live in the big city now. I lived in, in Christchurch before. I live in Auckland now. Um, but this, this country has given me absolutely everything I've ever wanted in my life. I mean, granted... I've gone after the opportunities, but I just, I, I'm so grateful for it every day. You know, it's, it's one of the most wonderful countries in the world. And so what did you just randomly say, I'm going to go here on the three months or whatever? I went on a one year career break. Yeah. yeah I never came back. Yeah. Well, I did go, I go home to visit, but, sure. um, yeah. And that was 12 years ago. And now I'm married to an Australian living in Oakland. Oh geez. Yeah. Talk about biodiversity. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, I mean, and we would uh, we would love one day to kind of to move out of the city and yeah have a simpler life. For now, we both need to be there. What yeah, yeah, do your time. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. Appreciate sure. it all the more when. Um, but you know, I've been here twelve years. He's been here five years. I'm a I'm a citizen for about four years. He's becoming a citizen this year. Like the one thing that absolutely bonded us from the moment we met was just our absolute love of New Zealand. You know. Um, feel so grateful to be here and and the other thing is like i never would have gotten into wine if i didn't come to new zealand yeah. you know like the the width and breadth of what we're capable of doing here is phenomenal it's pretty staggering you know and we think about how cold it gets down south you know it, and you know all the different literally it's like you're going through temperature zones mm. and, and different types of climate as you go down this beautiful long narrow country um and everywhere makes just everywhere. I think everywhere is good at almost everything. You know, there's okay, Northland, you can't go Pinot Sauvignon Blanc. But generally speaking, you get amazing expressions of almost everything we do from almost everywhere. Mm. You know, some places do something, are better known for some things, but it's just an embarrassment of wine riches here yeah, in New yeah, Zealand. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why I never left Hawks Bay because it's that's probably to me, that's the heart of it of like, boy, they do everything good here almost to a yeah. fault. Yeah, uh, people have a tough time sort of branding it, you know. Uh, all right, I'm gonna let you go in a second. I have a last question for you. Have you seen Dairy Girls? Oh my god, I that was my childhood, <laughs> except two hours south. I I watched that. Pro I cannot wait for season two. You think I'm passionate about I've wine? Seen I've seen, have you seen two? season two. Yeah, I'm yeah. so jealous. Yeah. Um, I watched that. That is because I grew up in a Catholic you know, a Catholic household, going to a Catholic school. Yeah, Irish. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, and the attention to detail with that show is phenomenal. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, in one scene, they have these like, they're like soup cups and you used to get them at the, like the petrol station when you spent 20 pounds that was then on, on petrol. You used, they used to come with that, like, or things that you used to kind of, collect stamps in the supermarket and you got you know there's the attention to detail is unbelievable the only thing that's different is which is obviously you know i, I wasn't a child of the crossfire yeah, that's yeah. all northern ireland but you know the, it is the soundtrack yeah the, the, the terrible 90s yeah. music yeah. um the, the 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 clothes the hair yes. it is it is apps and just there's turn like there's one seat there's one show where they have the the mother refuses to put on a half load of washing yeah. 
And I'm just like, that is my mother, you know, and just this little, they've just nailed it perfectly. I can't, Netflix, please bring out season two soon. I cannot wait. Dairy Girls, I must watch. They're going to do it. It's funny how, um, you know, for people who didn't, you know, I was born in the 70s and obviously experienced the 80s and 90s. And people think like the 80s was one style and then the 90s was like grunge shit and it was that style. It was like. No, there was still pretty big hair in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of the makeup and clothes. It was super poppy. I mean, it was the Spice Girls and Wigfield and like (laughs) terrible music, which I loved. And there's another scene where um, I think it's Wigfield Saturday Night comes on and like all the girls are having an argument. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's our song. And I was like, wow, (laughs) epic flashbacks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So being, yeah, being, I was, I was the 90s. I was a teen all through the 90s. So that was uh, it's an amazing show. Mm. Yeah, yes. Good. All right. Well, I'll let you go. And thanks for doing this. Pleasure. And, um, I don't know. I'll get all the info and links and all that. And we'll put it up there. I'm sure you'll have uh, three or four other things that have happened by the time this comes out. Uh, just a word to be warning. Uh, we're recording this now in whatever, June 28th. And it probably won't come out because I'm going to release one every week. Yep. I just recorded eight <laughs> or something. So... Um, uh, I'm a patient woman. I work. Right, I, I work in print, so uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah true. I'm used to waiting. You're not used to the immediacy of it. Uh, yeah, and maybe by then uh, I'll be able to put up a link to something you've written about this conference by then. So, oh, yeah, so that's good. Uh, that's we'll, good motivation for me. Yeah, we'll keep in touch. Cheers. Thanks, Dan. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mary Therese Blair, Mermaid Mary. Uh, I'm a sucker for an Irish accent, what can I say? That was a great conversation. She's got a great story, uh, and we need people like that telling New Zealand's story and being as passionate as a lot of these winemakers and and viticulturists and growers are about wine and, and, and this journey we're on, so... We, we thank you, and uh, please, please, please keep being nice to us and spreading the word all around the world about New Zealand wine. Uh, she, as I mentioned, she told you where you can find her and everything. There's a uh, couple publications. Uh, always the best place, of course, is social media, so I will post up uh, Mermaid, you know, just Google Mermaid Mary. I mean, geez, how tough is, how tough is life these days? It's pretty easy. Uh, but she's Mermaid Mary on the uh, Insta, and that's probably the easiest way. She's very active on there, so you will uh, be able to easily find that uh, or find out about her. So, guys, I'm off to the States. We're going to take a little break, probably start releasing episodes again in October. I still have one in the bank from Blenheim that was outside the conference, and that will be with the producers of Blank Canvas Wine, great couple who produces those wines. And we'll go from there. So uh, thanks. Uh, great great to bring all these wines out. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, all these podcasts out for from the Organic and Biodynamic Conference. I want to thank the people from that conference who have reposted and really supported this. The theater, the ASB theater, who gave me the room to do all these podcasts. And it was, it was great, man. It was just such a... Uh, a joy, and I hope that these have longevity, and uh, you know, people uh, 
has provided at least a nudge to some people to think about going organic or to stop weed spraying and just to keep the conversation going. There were some great, great conversations and I feel very lucky and blessed to have been able to meet some of these new people, particularly that I met at this conference. I came out invigorated. I'm feeling still invigorated going to America this week to continue to tell that story about how great New Zealand wines are and and how we're you know fighting the good fight to, to change things to organic production. So with that said, cheers. Talk to you guys soon. Uh, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Decibel Dan on Twitter. And talk soon. Cheers. Cheers.